I want to begin by directing you all to the bottom of your screen where you'll find a Q&A feature. I urge you to type any questions you have in there and do so when you think of the question. You don't have to wait until the end. I'll keep my eye on that question and ask those questions as they become applicable. Before we meet the panelists, briefly, my name is Connor Dalton. I'm a Wilmington Friends School alumni, parent, and neighbor. I'm also a local attorney who works for Dalton and Associates. Uh, that said, you tuned in not to hear me, but to hear these esteemed panelists. So let's meet them. First, our panelist is uh, Monterey Lucky, who's at the bottom right of your screen. Ms. Lucky serves as the deputy director of the Delaware Workforce Development Board. She oversees the adult dislocated worker and the youth committees. She, there, she helps Delawareans of all stripes leverage their skills to meet Delaware's high demand occupations. Ms. Lucky was a business leader at Independence Blue Cross, where she hosted internship opportunities for individuals from middle school to postgraduate, and has been instrumental in supporting various underserved communities through 21st century workforce workshops. Before joining the Delaware Workforce Development Board, Ms. Lucky worked as a teacher for Jobs for Delaware Grads and taught college and career readiness at Concord High School here in Delaware. Ms. Lucky's philosophy is there's enough sand in the sandbox for everyone to play nice and share perspectives to bring about change. Our next panelist, Lynn Williams to the left of your screen, is an executive director of the Philadelphia Area Great Career Group, which provides online career development and networking for career transitions, job seekers, and career management for both the employed and self-employed. She's a weekly career column writer in publications like Vista Today, Montco Today, and Delco Today, and other publications. In addition to those publications, Ms. Williams helps write resumes, craft link LinkedIn profiles, and LinkedIn company pages that focus on keywords maximizing candidates' opportunities. Amidst all of this, Ms. Williams is also a doctoral candidate and is currently working on her doctoral dissertation on the topic of job seeking on LinkedIn. And last but not least is Wilmington Friends' own Andy McEnroe, a graduate of Wilmington Friends and winner of the esteemed Mendenhall and Bush Awards. He went on to Washington Lee where he was a four-year ODAC, that's the uh, Old Dominion Athletic uh, Conference scholar athlete as a member of the Washington and Lee baseball team and graduate magnum cum laude. After graduation, Mr. McEnroe launched and ran First Team Broadcasting, which was an online athletic focused web broadcasting business providing turnkey audio and visual services and technology for organizations to connect with their fans and supporters through web-based broadcasts. In 2015, Andy earned a master's in business administration from Columbia Business School, winning the, and I am gonna might not get this pronunciation right, the Nahum Mel Ahmad Memorial Prize, an honor given to a single member of the graduating class based on a significant impact in the Columbia community. Andy has a tremendous impact on each community he has been with, and we are honored that he has returned to ours to be with us all today. If I were in person, I would say that now would be a good time for a round of applause. However, while the web and our format is fantastic, it does not lend itself to such things. 
With that introduction complete, I am sure you all are tired of hearing of me. So I want to launch into our first questions. And again, please feel free to use your question and answer uh, tab at the very bottom. As the title of this panel is How Networking Enhances Your Brand, we should begin with a networking question and then move to the discussion of brand. I will direct the first question to our panelist, Ms. Williams. It says, Ms. Williams, what are the most common misconceptions people have about networking? I think people think when they are ready to go into a job search, that's when they need to start networking. And the misconception is you need to constantly be networking. You need to make networking a habit and build it into your schedule. It is important for your career as a job seeker uh, or somebody that wants to advance in their career and get a promotion or in case you want to pivot or reinvent yourself. So you got to be out there networking and connecting with others. And can you can you share a um, networking strategy that you've seen uh, be successful? I'm happy to um, jump in there, Connor, uh, and take that question. Um, and you know, great to be with both panelists tonight. And Connor, thanks for the outstanding introduction. I wouldn't have gotten the pronunciation right of those own awards uh, there as well. It's also that was also a really long time ago. But anywho, um, I think in one of the things Lynn just touched on about always be networking is is somewhat instilled in you when you start at Wilmington Friends and as you progress, you know, through your academic endeavors and into the professional workforce, uh, into whatever you end up doing. Is your, it's about building relationships and finding common ground and using that common ground to extend your network beyond those touch points. For instance, if you were networking with me, you may reference, Connor, that, uh, oh, I played, I played a sport at Wilmington Friends. You also played a sport at Wilmington Friends. You were both coached by Bob Tattersall. And as a result, when you outreached to me, whether it was seeking a job, like Lynn was mentioning, or just an informational interview because you're interested in a profession, you'd be able to leverage that and sort through kind of the nonsense because how many emails do you get daily? And you don't have probably a chance to respond to all of them, but drawing on familiar connections will it will be what leverage or, or, or I should say elevates your email to the top of the pile such that you respond to it or I respond to it or Lynn or Monterey responds to it because of those familiar connections or common ground that you can build. And I think from a networking success story, that's that's key to it. And you can leverage your high school, you can leverage your college, you can lever leverage grad school, you can leverage personal interests. And with just a simple web search, there's a lot of information, you know, available out there. I mean, just before we kicked off here, I Googled you, Connor, and I got a, a whole profile of everything you've done, what school you've gone to. And so if I was to email you, I would tie those themes in in hopes that I'd get a response back to expand the network. And then lastly, after speaking with you, I think the key question that everyone has to ask uh, another connection is, you know, who else may you know that you would be feel comfortable introducing me to so that one connection ends up being five more connections, which ends up being five more after that. And slowly you build a network to benefit whatever you're trying to accomplish, whether it's a job, you know, a charity, nonprofit event, a, a school. Uh, and from there, you you truly build out those relationships. And Connor, if I may... Just to Andy's point, 
it's about real connections. And I think when I look, when I think about the first question, common misconceptions, people think that it's about them. Really, the art of networking is what can you do for other for other people? How can you help somebody else be elevated? Or how can you support them in their endeavors and what they do? And doing that brings so much more to you. So I like how he said the thread, but how can you keep that thread and to get it to be weaved into a, a really fruitful uh, networking or, or network? How can you do that fruitfully? I also haven't met a person that doesn't love talking about themselves in some form or fashion. <laughs> so entering a networking conversation, having done the appropriate research to have a series of questions that elicits that type of response can be a great way to feel that connection. Uh, and then to what Monterey was saying, lead to how you can help them as well. Maybe they bring up uh, you know, I've got I've got two young boys and and maybe one day, Connor, I would need your help to get them into Wilmington Friends if we decided to move back to Delaware. And so you may think, well, I can help Andy this way and then he's going to send a client my way in the legal practice. And it's I don't want to call it a quid pro quo, but to Monterey's point, you're trying to help each other out uh, succeed in whatever you're trying to succeed at. I agree. It doesn't have to be so so. Uh exact to be a quid pro quo it's 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 people helping people that's that's i mean that's got to be what we have to be able to do um and we're living in a and, and I, I, I don't necessarily love this term but we're living in a post-covid world do you feel like this sort of networking uh strategy has changed because of the more virtual versus in-person settings uh, so i can i can lead with that and so I think it depends on the individual. I think it depends on where you were uh, when you know COVID happened. For me, I took it as an opportunity to really check in with people. So I met them on whatever platform they were on, whether it was Zoom, Teams, uh, or Google Meets. You know, I had I, I took great pride and honor to make sure that I was connecting with individuals because I thought about. On the other side, after, you know, uh, the pandemic would be over or declared to be over, that I would feel really bad if I had time, <laughs> a lot of time to connect with someone and I didn't. So I may have still missed a few people, but at least I made an effort to really just bring it. I don't see you in person, but to make sure I checked in, call, text, but um, really had coffee breaks and tea breaks online. And so that proved to be very successful for me. I think the leverage of technology makes it easier to connect, but it makes it harder to establish relationships. Hmm. It's easy to have a Zoom call. You could stack 30-minute Zoom calls or Teams calls throughout the day. It's harder to build a relationship without that in-person connection. But Maybe you're located in a different city than someone else. Maybe your uh, schedule doesn't permit you getting in person. Introductory calls are great, but if you're looking to create a meaningful relationship that leads to that person being part of your network or like the old T-Mobile commercial, your Fab Five, uh, you're probably <laughs> going to have to go find a time to get a meal, get coffee, get a drink with someone to build that level of rapport. 
And you're talking, I think you bring up a good point about making that initial connection. Is there any way that you guys, uh, that you would say, or some advice that you would give about making that initial connection in this post-COVID environment where, it, like you said, it, it, it's easy to stack up uh, uh, digital experiences, but it's hard to make that first connection. Otherwise, you're seeming to be cold calling people and nobody wants to cold call anybody. you have anything to say from that? I do. Um, I'm all about LinkedIn. There's over a 1 billion people on LinkedIn now. So if you have opportunities to go out to in-person networking events, that's when you have an opportunity to follow up and connect with that person on LinkedIn. Now, you may have an interest in new clients or a new position or something like that or new industry, and you never know who knows who knows who knows who. So you can check out your first level connections contacts and find out, you know, if, if they have a connection um, to your target audience, whether it is a, a new company, industry, client or whatever. So you get warm introductions that way. Um, you know, once upon a time I was in sales, I was a, a Western regional sales manager of 14 states, and that was way before LinkedIn was even invented. Mm-hmm. And I, I killed it with 325% increase in sales. And I can only imagine, you know, what I would have done with, with, with LinkedIn. So it, you have to you know, build those relationships. You can build them online. I've got amazing people in my network who are not local to me, but it's also great to also build um, connections locally, but definitely follow up on LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, my my day job is I'm an investment banker. So I represent companies that are looking to raise capital or go through a merger or acquisition process. I mentioned this earlier in our conversation there's a plethora of information out there about every one of us. If you wanted to find us, you can do Google searches. You can probably still find Connor's high school sports statistics if you want. Don't look too closely. <laughs> um, and, and from that, to Lynn's point, you can use LinkedIn to reach out. You don't even need my email address anymore. You can find me. You can send a message. And if you hit the right topics, I'm a Wilmington Friends School grad. I I married someone that was in your sister's class. Like I could, I can draw those connections out and get me to respond. And then from there, follow-up is key, setting a, a cadence to that follow-up, showing and adding value to that relationship. Hey, Connor, I saw this article about Villanova's law school. I thought you might be interested in it. Here's an article on it may not be relevant to what I'm trying to achieve, but it shows connection and affinity for similar topics. Uh, And and the last thing I would say is not everyone's going to create that connection. I know within my profession, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I we will talk about brand here in a little bit when Connor transitions us to it. I think you have to steer in hard to what your your personal brand is and where you feel most comfortable 
networking, whether that's starting online, building up to an in-person event that Lynn was mentioning, whether that's a, a bar event, a coffee event, an athletic event, or some other element using various affinity organization groups that may be tied to your profession or to a educational institution or a common uh, charitable cause that you have interest in, all of which can create those connections. And then back to the point of building relationships uh, and leading to, you know, professional growth or personal growth for that matter. The last thing that I think I would add to uh, what Len and Andy said, Connor, is I'm a big volunteer. So when you harness volunteering and you can bring that, you meet people at a whole different level, right? Because there's something about the art of the volunteering of people are, are just, they're more genuine actually when you can connect with them in that space and that time. And then, you know, and then extend and nourish, nourish the relationship. So I just wanted to make sure that I, you know, introduce the concept and thought of volunteering to be able to extend your, your networking opportunities because, you know, you're giving back you're supporting people who have seen you do that, you know, and um, everybody, you know, was just doing it just because of the love, the, the thought, the family, whatever the reason was. But that's a great opportunity to be able to, you know, make connections as well. Yeah, You know, one question that what Monterey brings up uh that I'd love to hear Lynn and Monterey's perspective on as well, and Connor, yours, if you have one too, is, you know, straddling that line between personal endeavors and professional endeavors. A few years ago, I got a piece of advice from someone in my industry that said like, Andy, people love the work you do for them. They just don't know who you are because you put up such a wall between personal and professional. And what Monterey just mentioned is, is kind of that crossover and so how important is it to, to generate that crossover between personal and professional? So I, I think at a certain point in time, uh, and it, you can, as you continue to evolve in what it is that you're doing, uh, you easily will see the, the mesh. Um, and especially you're, you're hearing more stories. I'm reading more stories um, after the pandemic about people have really taken the time to re-examine what's important to them. And so I, I think about this, this space uh, that I'm in, and I've been able to say it for quite some time that I am passionate in serving underemployed, unemployed, and people in transition, right? So that tends to be my scope, my work, which is broad in nature, right? But it also uh, gives a certain look and feel of those things that I will do. Um, and maybe some things that maybe I might not be as interested in, but, you know, just service. If you're leading, I'm leading with service and how I operate. And so that's that broad spectrum that I can then center in. So that's my perspective. So I think, you know, when it comes to LinkedIn or anything else, you know, people like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. So what happens is you, you have to kind of let your hair down a little bit and you can't be all straight business. You have to be your authentic self because it's the human connection. Do you have charisma? Are you 
friendly? And, you know, do, what kind of character traits do you have? A lot of people get hired because they have a good culture fit and they can be taught different hard skills. So it is about being personal and human and, and you know, letting your authentic self out. Now, you know, there's boundaries as far as, you know, what you're going to tell people about your personal life. You're not going to go anything outrageous, hopefully. But, um, you know, there's some purists on LinkedIn. They say, oh, no, it's just uh, business. I, I had huge um, uh, algorithm boost, you know, with impressions and likes and comments on my, a recent post because I had a birthday last Sunday. And that Happy was birthday. personal. It was not business. Thank you. Um, it was a big one. And I was embarrassed. And I <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think you have to be genuine and, and authentic and a little little bit of your personal self out there. Are there third rails, Lynn, that you should avoid? I mean, I'm one of those people, and I'll be frank, that on LinkedIn, it is strictly business posts. And I'll tag and I'll put appropriate hashtags to drive impressions and views but you won't see me post about anything non-business oriented on LinkedIn. And then I see others post about political beliefs or about events happening in their life. And to, for frankly, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable where in a personal setting and in an in-person setting, I would be fine with that type of interaction and that crossover. So where is that, you know, third rail don't touch uh, on the, on LinkedIn? Yeah, there there are topics that are, you know, dangerous to 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 promote on LinkedIn. Um, so you really have to make wise choices. Um, I've seen people, you know, talk about wanting to take their lives or recovering from drugs and alcohol. I don't know, like, I wouldn't want that personally on LinkedIn. But if if when I have my my second grandchild in the next couple of weeks or so, I'm going to post that on there, right? So yeah. if it's good positive stuff, um, that's great. Now politics is a different thing. LinkedIn has a user agreement that says you know no no to politics. But if you are a politician, you know you can put what you do for your job, but you know there are limits to what you can say without causing divisiveness, right? So anything that's positive and optimistic that happens in people's lives is always a good thing. That's interesting. I, I, I the especially the volunteering and with the LinkedIn, uh, there's, I think there's a difference between, we talk about networking and we talk about networking between people in our profession, but there's also that second level, at least within lawyering, I, there's networking with my, fellow lawyers and judges and so forth. But I get far more networking, if you want to call it that, with potential clients by doing volunteering or playing softball or things like that. Yeah. And, and um, I think that is, it, it's hard to over, under, I think many people undervalue those things. And whereas uh, networking with other lawyers might get me referrals, networking with clients gets me original cases. I mean, that, that, that's a very impactful from at least my business. And I'm sure you've seen it in yours. I, I don't want to spend too much time on networking because I, I do want to, I do want to hit on brand. So I want to, I want to change gears and let's talk about personal branding, something that I, that as a, as a, um, 
as a, a member of a family business in Delaware specifically, I'm hypersensitive to. Um, and I'll, I'll direct this over to you, Andy, as another fellow Delawarean. Uh, what does personal branding mean to you? And, and why is it important in this day, today's professional world? Well, you know, shockingly, I've been out of Delaware longer now than I was in For you, Delaware. I haven't been able to get yeah. out. <laughs> so, but no, still still very proud to have a 302 cell phone number uh, <laughs> and represent that that part of my personal brand, you know, uh, very strongly. No, I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier and Lynn mentioned authentic self in terms of being core to your networking. You know, what's key for me, and, and I, I may be a little young for the position I'm in within investment banking. And so as a result, I have to play to that brand that's kind of been created around that. There are many people that are 20 to 30 years my senior chasing the same sell side merger and acquisition mandates that I'm chasing. And so what I'm playing into is a higher energy, youthful uh, type exuberance, uh, as well as in my case, an athletic endeavor, you brought up softball, but whether it's softball or golf or baseball or flag football or whatever it is that hopefully causes a potential client to resonate with me. And probably the best example I have is we host a annual defense and government contracting conference at Raymond James. And for years, it was at the Four Seasons in Georgetown or some other hotel ballroom. And I took it over in, in 2019. And the key brand for me was to try to endeavor some aspect of entertainment and enjoyment with a professional content-driven conference that would hopefully lead to new clients and referrals. So I moved the conference to Nats Park. We still have 10 presenting companies, keynote speakers like Congressman Mike Gallagher and um, uh, um, General John Kelly, for instance, General Petraeus last year. But at the end of the day, instead of being in a windowless hotel ballroom and having some sort of networking happy hour, we do networking happy hour down on the field. We let industry conference participants take live batting practice. They can go down to the bullpen and throw a pitch if they want. And it's a different type of environment that plays towards my personal brand as a former baseball player uh, at Wilmington Friends and Washington and Lee and wherever else I've done it but also is tied into my professional endeavors such that they ingrain something in their brain that, oh, Andy played baseball, we draw a connection to it, and we're still achieving a professional outcome. And I think there are multiple examples that you could point to across a number of different professions or even within your personal brands of folks on this call where I'm sure they played into similar themes. Is it difficult to identify what your personal brand is or your uniqueness as a person and as a personal brand? And how do you how do you present that in, in, a, in a way that people can respond to? I see this as a question that may direct to you, Lynn, as, as somebody who who, who is, <laughs> specializes in, in having people try to speak about themselves in a public way. Uh, could you speak to how how somebody can uh, more finely tune what their personal brand is and how they could put that out there. You want people to know you for something and you have to position yourself in person and online 
with the right things so that people know your brand. Offline, your handshake is part of your personal brand. So your LinkedIn sig or your uh, email signature, your letterhead, uh, the way you dress, your hair, your makeup, your lapel width, your tie width, you know? So all that speaks volumes about your personal brand offline. But online, you need to have the keywords that describe who you are and what you do. And in my humble opinion, like there's a million different ways of doing things on LinkedIn, but I believe in putting, you know, keywords and a key title um, on your LinkedIn headline. But more importantly, how do you differentiate yourself and distinguish yourself from others? So you do that by writing something called a USP, unique selling proposition. <clears throat> it might be called a value proposition statement or a personal branding statement. So something, you know, that, that differentiates you from others, but it can be memorable, a vivid image. So when you are giving your elevator pitch, which is going to be different depending on your audience, um, but it should align with your LinkedIn headline so that you are true to yourself in who you are and what you do and how you want to re represent yourself. And then on LinkedIn, you know, you can tell your story. It doesn't have to be straight business because you want people to know um, the authentic you and, and personal things about you, you know, that people might not know. Um, so, and, and you, you, you don't, you don't want to cross any lines, you know, like I, I previously mentioned, but it is about people um, buying from people who they know, like, and trust. So if you have a similar interest in baseball, you know, why not put that on LinkedIn in your about section? If you run half marathons or collect coins or something, it's a conversation starter so that you can start building a rapport and relationship with somebody. Remember when you were little, your parents told you not to talk to strangers? Well, in your career, you need to talk to strangers. And a great way to, to start building a relationship is to find that common ground. So put a couple little fun tidbits about your stamp collecting or your marathon running or your baseball playing, you know, in your, in your profile. And so even thinking about the personal brand, so there was the, you know, Tom Peters for that in the business world, his name may resonate. Uh, he had a book, it was called Brand You. And in the book, it's a really small book. I would encourage people to get it if you're thinking about your brand. Uh, he said that you are the CEO of you, right? So you're the CEO of you. And so with that, you get to create your soundbite. Uh, you get to, you know, hold yourself accountable and to be able to manage the expectations that others may have of you, right? Mm -hmm. And so doing those things as part of your brand, because here's the one thing, and Lynn will agree, and probably Andy as well. If you do not brand yourself, you will be labeled, right? If you don't take the time to brand yourself, someone else will label you. Now, are you willing to live with how you've been labeled, right? Because there's sometimes if you don't get in front of things quick enough, 
you'll be labeled and you have to, you know, work your way and dig your way out from a deficit. So always be thinking like you own the narrative. I mean, I, what I, I teach, I'm an adjunct at, you know, Wilmington University as well. And I always tell um, my students two things, optics and soundbite. So optics, right? What is it looking like? What are you portraying? What is it that you want to portray? And the soundbite, being able to make sure that your that you being in charge of your brand, you control your narrative. Controlling that narrative is everything. People make a lot of money being able to help people control their narrative. And so those are the things that I would add. So you know you've built your brand when people give you referrals. I call me crazy, but I'm somebody that doesn't have a website. All my work comes in word of mouth referrals. And I have over 18,000 connections on LinkedIn. It's my writing and it's my speaking and my volunteering. Now, a funny thing is that Terry and I met each other years ago and she was at some networking events and I'm going to let her tell the story. Okay. So go ahead. And this is, this is how you build your brand is when people know who you are or get referred to your name. So take it away, Terry, tell that story. Lynn is in Pennsylvania. I'm in Delaware and I'm at a one networking event on one night. I hear Lynn Williams. I go to another networking event on another night and I hear Lynn Williams. And by the third time in the same week, I heard her name. I was like, I have got to meet this Lynn Williams. So somebody connected me. And when I had an opportunity, I was able to reach out to her, connect with her, and then go to an event that she was doing, which was purposeful uh, networking. I was able to experience the Lynn Williams effect that caused these individuals to be wowing about her. And I, I will tell you, anybody that meets Lynn, you're going to be wowed about it. So all that time goes through. We continue to, we do a lot of other things together. We 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 nurture in our relationship and everything. I become a member of TEDx Wilmington and we're volunteering and volunteering. Guess who I call on? Lynn, Lynn Williams, right? <laughs> to be a part and to learn the TEDx Wilmington, TEDx space. And everything. And so that's the power because we understand how to nurture, how to understand. Then we'll tell you every time it's her birthday, I will text her happy birthday because she's in my network. She's somebody that I've spent time with, I've experienced, and I've had the experience of us together, us doing things, and just from her brand, right? And she makes other people want to have better brands and be more conscious of their brands. And so thankful for that. But it's a, it's a perpetual motion. And when I was involved in TEDx Wilmington, I met a lot of other people. I am a blue hen. So I, I have a little Delaware in me. <laughs> that, that certainly counts. So it, uh, University of Delaware is, is just, it, uh, both my in-laws are University of Delaware folk. It is just a... Uh, it's an institution by by a long shot, and and as uh, Andy knows, once you're in Delaware, you can never really leave it, even if you try to. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll move to uh, something that I think that um, you all can speak to, but I'll, I'll direct it to Lucky as uh, with uh, Miss Lucky as with respect to online presence, because uh, and I know this is something that Miss Miss Williams will have us have, have a word with, but. Um, 
we're we're in a social media era. We're in a time where you not only live in person, you live online. Uh, and how, how would you say, uh, how would you put um, your networking, your brand uh, onto social media platforms and leverage that into um, meaningful connections? So for me, I had to really consider, you know, the channels that were available and how people were utilizing the channels uh, that they had. So I didn't join Facebook until uh, for a very long time, until I was a, a member of the TEDx uh, tribe, because I saw what it was. I'm having this for dinner. We're having this. for. I just at that point, I was like, that's not who I wanted to be. I'm a very, very private person. I had you know, my circle, I can definitely extend outward, always did that. So I didn't need a, uh, I didn't need that profile on a Facebook or something like that. But then LinkedIn, I think I'm an early adapter to LinkedIn, right? Because I am, have always been to Andy's point earlier, a business professional, always in that business space. So as soon as LinkedIn came out and somebody, the way that it was presented to me that I'm entrusting you, the first person that connected with me, I'm entrusting you with my network that resonated with me. So therefore I wanted to be able, I, I, I felt very honored that somebody would trust me with their networks and then I would continue to grow my own. So I think you have to think about what it is that you want and the message that you, that you want to give out. I didn't have a picture for a very long time. <laughs> and then someone said, like, it probably was Lynn or it may have been someone else, but I've heard it a few times. People want to know who they're doing business with. You should get a picture. I like taking pictures, but not actually, you know, being <laughs> photoed to be on. So I think once, once you have the opportunity to really be purposeful for what it is that you're trying to do in the space that you're trying to navigate, that gives you, you know, um, that gives you that ability to leverage the message that you're trying to deliver. If you don't want to be on all kinds of social media platforms for privacy reasons and whatnot, at least do LinkedIn. It's important for your career. So you don't have to put anything on LinkedIn that you don't want anybody to know. If you don't want to put a phone number on, you can put a Google voice number on, um, you know, but you have to have an email. You don't have to put, you know, an address or anything like that. But if you're going to build that brand, you not only need to post and be active on LinkedIn, but even more important, your commenting strategy is maybe just as important as your posting strategy especially if you're a job seeker, because you need to comment on people's posts, especially at the target companies that you'd like to work for. Um, or if you're changing industries, it's a way of reaching out to a stranger in the industry that you desire to be in and asking them if they would mind having an informational interview and asking them a whole bunch of questions. Just like Andy said, people like talking about themselves. So, you know, if you ask people, well, you know, what was your career trajectory and what education did you need to to get into this particular industry? Because I'm thinking of changing to this industry. 
So I deal with a lot of people that want to go from for-profit to non-profit or veteran to civilian life. You know, there's all different kinds of transitions. So a pivot is when people want to change roles in the same industry. A reinvention is something completely new. And that's all possible by building that brand in your future forward, whatever it may be. I would add that there should be a healthy skepticism, though, of social media platforms and the use of it. And look, maybe I'm tainted. I work in the national security industry. I sold a business earlier this year whose sole purpose was to create social media profiles to extract information from peer adversaries around the world uh, for the benefit of the U.S. government. And not that I was doing that personally, but from 2010 to 2015, there were two different Andy McEnroe's online. There was day job investment banker Andy McEnroe, and then there was executive vice president of first team broadcasting uh, who was trying to sell athletic media services to various colleges and institutions. And they had two separate online presences because they had two separate objectives of what I was trying to do, trying to grow my career in investment banking, trying to sell media web streaming services to colleges and universities. And those two people never really interacted. And the framing of you know how you position yourself online, the reason it was executive vice president uh, was because I could then turn and my mom's online tonight listening to this. I could turn and make my mom the the quasi CEO because she had a different last name, has a different last name and point and say, hey, sorry, client, we couldn't get you that price break. The CEO who had an online presence, you know, didn't authorize me to do that, even though there really wasn't a, a CEO there. And so utilizing online platforms to craft messaging is a strength you can have. But on the reciprocal side of that, you should be skeptical of who you're interacting with and try to validate through other search means. Like I said, you know, couldn't find Connor on LinkedIn before this quick enough. Found him, though, on the Dalton and Associates website, uh, you know, knew he existed on other social media platforms, so could theoretically validate who he is as an individual and hence my willingness to participate in this tonight if he wasn't really a person we might have a different discussion here at hand uh, you know, yes i have i have a mixed social media presence myself and I, this whole conversation is having me reevaluate what how i how i present myself online uh you know in delaware it's all who you know and and then how you know them it's very much more in face than than online but uh, I want to get to uh, I want to talk Turkey a little bit with respect to how do you measure that success? How do you know whether it's in person or whether it's online? How do you know that your networking efforts or your branding efforts are hitting pay dirt? Uh, and I'll open this up to the to the whole panel. But how do you know that your your what you're doing is is being successful? Are you a go to person? Lynn told us she had eighteen thousand followers. Friends, you know, followers, right? Um, connections. So are you a go-to person? Is what you think that you're doing, how you're branding yourself? Are people continually recommending you out for something else? Are you seeing that fruit? Are you known as, you know, when you walk into a place or when you're in an, uh, at an event and you say, hi, I'm Monetary Lucky. Are you known in that space? Or is there somebody at least in that space that knows you? And if it's a new venture, is it somebody that's willing to know you? Because while you're in the space, people will 
do an Andy. I'm going to call it doing an Andy. They will look at look at your profile real quick, right? Just to see if there's anybody else that you're connected to, right? And because people will people like being connected to people that are connected, right? And so, and that's part of the algorithm with LinkedIn, right? You get up to 500 connections. It's like, okay, people are looking. It, might, it could just be 501, 500, right? But there, you'll find that the connections tend to be a little bit easier. So you can see how you're moving and how you're leveraging. Do, do you have re, repeat people that are coming back to you or are they just, is it just, are you just a one and done type person, right? That's how you start to see. And you start to ask, if people are not asking you for that thing that you said that you could do, that you're branding, well, you got to kind of reevaluate. So on social media and even on LinkedIn, but there's lots of social media, depends on where you, you know, want to put your eggs in your, in your baskets. Um, like on LinkedIn, I can tell from the analytics what, what hits home or, or what doesn't hit home and how many connections I have. I have public, uh, uh, recommendations. I think I have like 90 or something like that. And it's also referrals. So five years ago, I decided to leave my W-2 job. I was um, the executive assistant to the president of uh, Berkshire Hathaway Fox and Roach. And she's since retired, but it was a great company to work for. I know they're in Delaware. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of, you know, making a brand of, of what you do and, and who you know. And, you know, so I have connections that, that go all over the place. And there's lots of people who might be working or doing multiple different jobs part-time. Uh, they might be W-2, they might be 1099. Um, and you can have a side gig Lots of people have side gigs right now, and you can build that company page on LinkedIn. And if you don't want to connect it to your LinkedIn profile, you can still work on building that brand, you know, so you've got that multiple streams of income with different CEO names that are moms, you know, or not. Um, so there's a lot of different things that you can do, you know, online to let people know who you are and what you do, but you can also have that sort of secret, you know, part of you, because we're all eclectic, you know, we all have different interests. And I know that when I had a job, I loved my job, I loved my company, I loved my boss. But I had needs outside of my normal W2 job. And that's when I started volunteering. And that's when I met Terry. Um, it, it was helping job seekers, mainly um, with resumes and, and LinkedIn. And, and when I started building, you know, these online classes and workshops and whatnot, um, that helped me build my brand. When I started volunteering for SCORE over a, a decade ago, that helped me build my brand. So again, we keep, everybody keeps talking about volunteering, you know, so that is really an important uh, part of, of building your brand also. Maybe just a slightly different approach uh, because I, I think of it a little bit differently because um, I think everything that Monterey and Lynn said are, are correct. There are ways to measure your clicks, your touches, whatever you whatever social media platform you're working through. Um, but to use kind of some a real life situation here, and I'll use me, you know, at Raymond James, the investment bank that I work for uh, in the defense and government market, um, 
I was the most frequent poster last year for Raymond James. But at the end of the day, Raymond James doesn't measure me on number of posts or number of connections. They measure me on revenue that I that I drive. Hmm. And just like any marketing spend, it's hard to measure return on investment. But I think the key part here is a measured approach in social media with whatever other networking you're doing out there theoretically improves your brand. And you're hoping to get a return either via referral, direct client solicitation, just well-known presence in a marketplace such that that return, while not probably uh, parallel and certainly not parallel from a timing perspective, ultimately shows up in the duration that you're consistently doing it. There's an old adage in sports, kind of you can probably relate to it. You know, the best avail or the best capability is availability. And so mm-hmm. being there, being present, whether it's online or in person, theoretically will lead to greater success over time. Andy hit it. Consistency. Yes. You have to be consistent promoting your brand and who you are and what you do. Consistency on all accounts gets the job done. Yes. Well, I don't. I don't want to jump the shark there because I, I don't want to get too close to it. Because what I wanted to do is allow both all my um, all your panelists to give you a chance to do uh, the sort of one question, the final question of the number one recommendation you have for anybody listening or or, or in just in general uh, for either networking or branding or uh, turning either of those into success. Um, I want to make sure we end on time, as is my job. So I want to make sure that that happens. But I'll start off with you, Lynn. Okay. Well, as I started out with, and the very first question is, make networking a habit. Um, You know, you've got to constantly be connecting with people. Um, I connect with people from the University of Delaware. I got a client from Christiana Care, and that led to a couple more clients at Christiana Care. And I got clients from Berkshire Hathaway because they know me from when I worked there. So it, you know, it's constant no matter where you are in your life, even your doctor's office. I got I got a client from my doctor's office. So it it could be, you know, on the on the baseball field, the football field. You know, it could be those personal interactions, the volunteering um, or your prior work. You know, you could reach out to people that you've known for decades. You know, if you have decades under your belt and made a few trips around the sun. Um, So constantly be connecting and reconnecting with people to build relationships and continue relationships. Thank you. I'm going to why don't we go to um, uh, Lucky, Miss Lucky for next. So. A lot of the same thing that Lynn said, um, consistency for sure, and uh, being authentic, right? Um, So one of the, you know, everybody, Andy said it earlier, everybody, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. So you find your tribe, right? (laughs) And you are consistently authentic. And you even can show on occasion vulnerability. So just thinking about the that vulnerability piece, right, shows people that you're you're human. You're just like them. You may have this facade. You may operate in one, you know, in one way because that's how you're driven. However, you think about somebody connects with you, 
just because I remember, you know, leading a team at Independence Blue Cross when there were things, you know, that were going on. And I had a smaller team from a big team to a smaller team. We were going through, you know, platform migration. And one day I just came in and I told the team that I had, I was like, you know, over the weekend, I had a blue robe moment. Like I didn't want to do anything, but just stay in my blue robe. People connected with that because they had seen me as just driving, drive, but that the vulnerability, the VOCA effect, right? So just being able to share that you focus, but you you still bleed <laughs> it is really important. And especially in this day of AI, right? People want that human connection to, to share and to feel a part of community and finding. So always look for and find your tribe. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I would add to that uh, for my, you know, last word or, or point here to hammer home, uh, drawing on familiar connections to to benefit yourself and your network. I have, I was just looking it up, 123 unaccepted LinkedIn connections because I have no idea who the heck they are. <laughs> they did not express why they're interested in talking to me or anything of that ilk. But if you had expressed some common element, then maybe I accept it in a very brief message. It says why you're interested, how you got my name, how you found me, whatever it may be. The second point that I would foot stomp is teamwork makes the dream work. If I use Monterey as an example, you know, I worked for Mike Caranta back when I was an intern in college, and she's connected to Mike. If I needed to get to Monterey and didn't have this friend's school connection, and I saw that Mike was connected, I would reach out to Mike in order to get to Monterey. And you'd be surprised how many people are willing to make uh, introductions, particularly over LinkedIn or email, just by making an ask. And so back to utilizing your tribe, find your tribe. And then work together to achieve what you're trying to do. Most people are willing uh, and able to help in this regard. So, you know, common connections and teamwork would be the two things that I'd emphasize. All right. Well, I want to thank you all, all these panelists. Uh, applause is warranted, although I don't think you'll hear any. Uh, and I thank all three of you very much. Um, the panelists' resumes will be available along with the video of this uh, panel. And uh, there was also a note from a from a uh, anonymous attendee as it comes up in my Q and A that there is a Harvard uh, article about networking and the different groups of networking and how that applies. And so I, I urge you also to take a look at that link. Um, I thank you all and um, have a good rest of the night. And thank you again. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. Appreciate thank it, you. Andy. All right, and thank you. Lucky, yeah. I appreciate it. You guys have a good yeah. night. You too. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.